everyone. This is Jeffrey Kerr. I'm here today with actress and Raleigh native Ariana DeBose, who will be coming back home to give not one, but two concerts at the Kennedy Theater for one night only on December 22nd. After having made her breakthrough as a contestant on the sixth season of So You Think You Can Dance back in 2009, Ariana DeBose would go on to make her Broadway debut in a stage musical adaptation of Bring It On in the summer of 2012. Since then, she has appeared on Broadway in Motown the Musical, the most recent revival of Pippin, and the original cast of Hamilton before going on to originate two principal roles, Jane in a Bronx Tale and Disco Donna in Summer, the Donna Summer Musical, the latter of which earned her a 2018 Tony Award nomination for Best Featured Actress in a Musical. Next year, Ariana will be seen on the big screen in two major movie musicals directed by some very high-profile filmmakers. So, good afternoon, Ariana. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. So to start things off, how excited are you to be coming back to Raleigh to perform at the Kennedy Theater? Oh, I'm absolutely thrilled. It's been such a long time since I've had the opportunity to come home and perform in Raleigh. And it holds such fond memories for me when I was growing up. You know, that's one of the things I always really loved about the Raleigh area. It was an incredible, incredible community of support for the arts. So I'm really excited to come back and be steeped in that again. Oh, yes. And what songs can audiences expect to hear from you? You know, I do. I kind of do my own thing when it comes to cabaret. I will give you some songs that are from shows that I've been in. You may or may not hear a few Hamilton favorites, um, as well as some Motown songs. But if, if, if anyone out there is familiar with my cabaret work, I do a lot of mashups, and I like to reinterpret classic songs and, and put my own spin at them or create them into pop songs. For example, I will do, sometimes, I will do a cover of Katy Perry's uh, Hot and Cold, mm. but it might sound like the opening theme from Chicago the Musical. Mm. Yeah, I like to have fun with it. I do a little bit of everything and, and tell fun stories along the way. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a great thing about theater is that people are always recreating or rethinking certain things all the time. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, what's the point, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, so going back to the beginning, how did you first get started in the theater? That's a great question. I discovered theater when I was in high school. Yeah, I was in high school. I did my first production of Fame when mm -hmm. I was a freshman. And then I got involved in Broadway Series South and Wake County Public School Systems used to partner in doing all county productions. And I got involved in that program and participated in their productions of Aida, Les Miserables, and Chorus Line mm -hmm. consecutively. And so that was really my, my first introduction to theater. Yeah, I guess a few years after you finished high school, I guess had to have been when you got to make your Broadway debut twice as an understudy in the same theater season. First, it was Bring It On, then in Motown the Musical, and both of those shows even got to perform on the 2013 Tony Awards. So I guess, what was that like? Oh, it was, it was so exciting. You know, I had grown up watching the Tonys on the television, 
Uh, you know, I think every sensible theater geek is, is watching that opening number, dreaming of it, of participating one day. And that was the year that that happened for me. And I'll never forget standing on stage, you know, alongside Neil Patrick Harris, who mm -hmm. I believe was hosting that year. He was. Yeah. And, and just looking out into Radio City and seeing all these faces that I had idolized for, for so long or looked up to, you know, I, I, I remember very distinctly seeing my friend Martha Plimpton sitting, sitting in front of me and Bernadette Peters was near her. And then there was Audrey McDonald. Mm. It was a very exciting time, um, a very busy time. It's very cool to be a part of two shows that were, are so different. You know, Bring It On is a is a pop cheerleading musical, and Motown the musical tells you the story of Motown Records and Barry Gordy. They have two very distinct sounds and tell two very different stories. So it's exciting to be a part of the, that as well. Well, yeah, because Bring It On had quite a, a journey before it eventually came to Broadway. Like it premiered in Atlanta, I believe, and had a tour. Mm -hmm. It was the first Broadway directing credit for Andy Blankenbuehler, the choreographer. And it was written by Jeff Whitty, Lynn manuel Miranda, Tom Kitt, and uh, Amanda Green. That's correct, yeah. <laughs> and we, we, went, we went on tour for about nine months before we came back into Broadway. That is the show that gave me my Broadway debut. And when did you end up getting involved with Motown? I was still on Broadway with Bring It On when I auditioned for Motown the Musical. At the time, that will happen sometimes in the business. You'll get a closing notice, and uh, I knew I needed to try and get another job. So Motown was one of the first things that I went in for, and I hit it off with the director, Charles Randolph Wright, who is another... Carolina boy. Yes, he is. <laughs> he had a job for me. and It was a challenging time. It was my second Broadway show, and I was one of the youngest in the cast. Mm -hmm. So I, I did a lot of observing on that job. It was a really great learning experience, though. Well, yeah, I mean, not many people can say they got to make their Broadway debut twice in the same season. Obviously, Jeremy Pope did us this past year. Right, right. He's an incredible talent as well. And your last Broadway show in the ensemble was a little-known musical called Hamilton. So <laughs> how did you get involved with that? I had been involved in the development process of Hamilton for quite a number of years before we brought it to Broadway. It was, it was very exciting. At one point, I participated in this small little reading that was very kind of off the books, as you were. And I was reading the music for Angelica. Mm. And then on, on another time, I was reading the music for the Peggy Mariah track. Mm. And then I was, and that was when I was still in Motown. Wow. That that started happening. Yeah. And then I was, I think I was about to go into Pippin mm -hmm. when I participated in, what would we call it? A workshop. Mm. We did a workshop of the show. And I participated in that. And then after I finished my run in Pippin, I left to do the off-Broadway production of Hamilton at the Public Theater. Well, yeah, and long before Hamilton even started performances at the Public, no one could have ever predicted how big it was going to become. So what was it like for you getting to experience that? Oh, it's, it was like being inside of a massive hurricane. You know what I mean? In the eye of a hurricane, there is quiet. <laughs> so, uh, it's a hard experience to describe. Many of us will say we won't have enough height on it until 10 years down the line. Mm -hmm. It all happened so quickly. But we know it was special. But it was really heartening 
and thrilling to watch so many people respond to to the story and, and to the show and its music and its message. People who don't normally frequent the theater were, were coming to the theater and bringing their friends and bringing their family members. That's really special when you, when you can watch a work of art change the world in its own little way. It was really very cool. Well, yeah, shows like that come like once every generation. Right, right. I, I count myself incredibly lucky and blessed to have been a part of that journey. Well, yeah, in fact, on a side note, I was actually in New York during the weekend of the 2016 Tony Awards. I was even able to catch the Saturday matinee performance of Hamilton. Whoa! Yeah. That was quite the weekend. Well, well, yeah, it was definitely one of the most exciting trips to New York I've ever had. Yeah, and so after Hamilton, you went straight into A Bronx Tale, and that musical had such a high-profile creative team, such as producer Tommy Mottola, directors Jerry Zaks and Robert De Niro, book writer Chaz Palminteri, and composer Alan Menken, whose work on the Disney animated movie musicals I imagine you had to have been familiar with growing up. Mm-hmm, very much so. I was such a Disney kid, so I, I knew Alan's melodies uh, very, very well. So it was an absolute gift to be able to work with him as a vocalist as well. You know, that was really the first show where, sure, I danced a little bit in the show, but I was really working as a vocalist. That brought me immense pride to be able to have that experience with him. It was so fun to be able to say, hey, I hear a little bit of, you know, under the sea in this arrangement, you know, things like that. It was very, very cool. Well, I imagine the musical setting had to have been similar to something like Little Shop of Horrors. A, a little. It definitely... In nature, I think, plays towards Little Shop of Horrors, for sure, yeah. <laughs> and your last Broadway show, Summer the Donna Summer Musical, earned you a Tony nomination last year. I remember there was quite a bit of excitement here in the Triangle area for you. One of our local news stations even aired an interview with you the Sunday morning leading up to the telecast. And what was that whole experience like getting to spend Tony season as a nominee? You know, it was something that I had always hoped would happen, and I was never sure that it would but it was really fun to be in the room where it happens you know to be, <laughs> yeah. it, I, it sounds so corny but it's so true to be around all these people you know in the same season you know i'm in a room with cindy lopper glenda jackson you know bet midler like, and it was really really amazing to be included in a season like that and to be you know one of the few women of color recognized in that season was really special as well but i think it's, it's such a singular experience it's like running a marathon mm. you know you just got to keep going there's events every other day all while you're still doing your show at night and now that you've got an, a toy nomination attached to your name of course you're going to show up anyways but you really got to deliver because it's crunch time it's very much like the olympics of broadway indeed <laughs> As we're now only a few weeks away from the new year, you've got a couple exciting projects coming out in 2020. First, you'll be appearing as Anito in a brand new film adaptation of West Side Story, directed by Steven Spielberg, a man who needs no introduction. So how were you able to land that job? I don't know. <laughs> I auditioned for the film just like, you know, countless other people. I went in and read for the casting director a lot for what was probably smack dab in the middle of their process. I didn't hear anything, and then they brought me back in much later, probably in the fall of last year, and then it all moved very quickly, and suddenly I was in a room with Steven Spielberg talking to me about 
you know, playing the part and how I see the character and how we want our creative relationship to work. And it was all very lovely. It was a whirlwind. Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not every day you're a Broadway performer who ends up getting a major role in a Steven Spielberg movie. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, so what was it like getting to make the movie? I mean, not only did you get to work with Mr. Spielberg, but also the 1961 film's Oscar-winning Anita Rita Moreno, who has a small supporting role in this new take and also serves as an executive producer. It's just a very special process, very challenging. I think, you know, I was definitely out of my comfort zone. Learning a new language is what I call it. You know, learning how movies get made. I had the privilege of making it with the best in the business and learning from the best in the business. And, you know, Ms. Moreno is absolutely stunning and gracious and lovely and incredibly supportive. And our time on set together was really fun. She loves to tell a story and I love to listen. She's a, a broad for the ages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was really special to watch her have a very, a very full circle moment like that. I think it's rare that we get to witness moments like that in people's lives. I felt very fortunate to be able to be there for that moment in hers. And uh, during principal photography, there was quite a bit of attention on the internet when Amblin posted on their social media accounts a photo of Steven Spielberg on set with the original lyricist Steven Sondheim when he came to visit. Yeah, Mr. Sondheim is quite the individual and incredibly intelligent, and he has such an insight into his work, obviously, because he wrote it. Being in a room with him and listening to his, his perspective and point of view on both what it is that he wrote initially and how it relates to the time we live in now, it was very insightful. Again, a, a really wonderful moment to bear witness to. And I will say, you know, Steven Spielberg is such a fan of Steven Sondheim. It was really fun to watch him have a little fanboy moment, <laughs> you know. I was like, ah, oh, Spielberg idolizes Sondheim. I love this. This is very cool. Well, yeah, I remember hearing in an interview producers Neil Marin and the late Craig Zayden when they were promoting the first season of Smash, they mentioned how Spielberg was such a fan of Broadway musicals that it was really his idea to begin with to do a TV series about the creation of one. It was. It was indeed. Yeah, he's a big fan. He's incredibly musically inclined, Stephen. He really is a man of many talents. But he, he loves musicals and he loves physicality. I'm very excited for everyone to, to see the film, to see how Stephen and his director of photography, Janusz Kaminski, who a lot of people would remember from Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan, but how they collaborated in order to shoot this film is really, really something special. So I'm, I think everyone's really in for a treat. Have you gotten to meet with Broadway's original Anita Cheetah Rivera about the role? I've met Cheetah several different times, actually. And yes, we did have a moment. And she's lovely. She is a very different type of Anita. And I think that is very indicative of the latitude, I would say, that I was given and the freedom I was given to create my own version of the character. I think every single woman that is playing this part has found their own way into it. So to be able to meet with the two women who, you know, the world most closely associate with this role was very helpful to me. I learned a lot from meeting with Miss Cheetah and Rita. Isn't that funny? It rhymes. Cheetah oh. and Rita. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I even remember seeing an interview Cheetah did with Broadway.com 
talking about how thrilled she actually was for Rita's success with the original movie. Yeah. They all seem very supportive of one another when they have the opportunity to speak to that. And, and I think that's also something that's lovely to witness as well, to watch women supporting women. I think that's very important in the, the time that we live in. And as for your current projects, you'll be appearing as Alyssa Green in Ryan Murphy's upcoming Netflix film adaptation of The Prom. And here you're getting to work with quite an all-star cast that features people like Meryl Streep, James Corden, Nicole Kidman, Andrew Reynolds, Kerry Washington, Keegan-Michael Key, and Aquafina. Mm-hmm. It's quite the lineup. I kind of pinch myself every day. Working on this is a pleasure. And, you know, I certainly never thought I'd actually be in a room with Meryl Streep or Nicole Kidman. It's been a, a real joy so far to watch them work and to watch specifically these women who are at the top of their game, you know, at the top of our industry, have their process. To see that there is effort and there is you know, great consideration that goes into how they build characters and how they build physicality, how they, you know, work with their director, how they speak about their characters. It's a perfect learning opportunity for me, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful to be here. And we should say that Ryan Murphy has become known for giving journeyman theater performers opportunities in his film and TV projects, such as Matthew Morrison, Liam Michelle, Courtney B. Vance, Jackie Hoffman, and Billy Porter. Yes, and recently, Patti LuPone. Mm-hmm. And of course, the aforementioned Jeremy Pope. Yes, I'm very excited about Jeremy and Hollywood, which is also the most recent thing that Miss Lapone will appear in as well. But it's, it's really exciting to be a part of this man's community and part of the Brian Murphy community that is so Broadway adjacent. It's not often that film directors or TV directors will fully invest in the transition of stage actor to the screen. And so it's really heartening and refreshing to be working with a man who does believe in that investment. A little while ago, he revealed that he's planning to do a 10-part miniseries adaptation of a chorus line. If he gives you a call for that, would you be into it? (laughs) Of course I would. It's one of my favorite shows. I think... Anything that Ryan has a full-fledged vision on, I would follow him. I love a man with vision, and in particular, I really like his style. I think it would be very fun if that call ever came through. (laughs) So when you're finished filming The Prom, do you have any other upcoming projects you'd like to share? Not at this time. I'm just enjoying the moment that I'm in, and I'm trying to take full advantage of this process and learning from all these incredible people. And then I've worked very hard for probably going on two years straight now. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll probably, if I have the opportunity, I'll take a little bit of a break. Like It's very rare to do that in this line of work. You know, it's, it's always important to strike while the iron's hot, to keep going while you have momentum. But I would really love to go sit on a, an island somewhere. I think that would be very nice. And I guess to quote another Hamilton lyric, you've been nonstop. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So, in conclusion, what advice would you like to give to any aspiring young performers out there? You know, I would tell any and all young people who are curious about a life in the performing arts, stay curious, stay humbled, and always remember to be the energy in the room that you would want to work with. Be kind, be courageous, and be bold. But the most important thing, I think, is to be curious and to try everything and to realize that sometimes someone else is going to have a better idea or better 
vision. That doesn't mean that your contributions aren't important, but it's always important for you to remember that your curiosity is key and to be able to listen and hear and absorb what's going on around you. Ariana, I thank you very much for devoting your time to this interview. It was great getting to talk to you. It was a pleasure talking with you as well. Thank you again for having me. And for those who'd like to keep up with your career, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram. My handle is at Ariana DeBose, my traditional spelling. I'm on Twitter every once in a while as well, and my handle is the exact same, at Ariana DeBose, one N. For those who'd like to catch Ariana DeBose perform at the Kennedy Theater, she's giving two performances on the evening of Sunday, December 22nd, and I guess good luck trying to get tickets because the first show was already sold out. It was very exciting. For more information, please visit www.theaterrally.com slash special events. So thank you again for talking to me today, Ariana. It was my pleasure. Thank you. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. You too. <laughs> If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.